Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you for how you have been with us throughout the day and thank you Lord that we are alive. We want to go through the reading for our devotion this evening. We pray that you grant to us the gift of the Holy Spirit to set to our hearts the truths contained in these words. Lord, we pray that you also give us grace to learn different lessons and also to put them in practice. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Maranatha, September 21, the time of Jacob's trouble. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jeremiah 30 verse 7 I saw that the four angels would hold the four winds until Jesus' work was done in the sanctuary, and then will come the seven last plagues. These plagues enraged the wicked against the righteous. They thought that we had brought the judgments of God upon them, and that if they could rid the earth of us, the plagues would then be stayed. A decree went forth to slay the saints, which caused them to cry day and night for deliverance. This was the time of Jacob's trouble. As Satan influenced Esau to march against Jacob, so he would stir up the wicked to destroy God's people in the time of trouble. And as he accused Jacob, he would urge his accusations against the people of God. He numbers the world as his subjects. But the little company who keep the commandments of God are resisting his supremacy. If he could blot them from the earth, his triumph would be complete. He sees that holy angels are guarding them, and he infers that their sins have been pardoned. But he does not know that their cases have been decided in the sanctuary above. He has an accurate knowledge of the sins which he has tempted them to commit, and he presents this before God in the most exaggerated light, representing these people to be just as deserving as himself of exclusion from the favor of God. He declares that the Lord cannot in justice forgive their sins and yet destroy him and his angels. He claims that as he claims them as his prey and demands that they be given into his hands to destroy. As Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Their confidence in God, their faith, and firmness will be severely tested. As they review the past, their hopes sink. For in their whole lives, they can see little good. They are fully conscious of their weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptations and turn from their allegiance to God. Amen.
The time of Jacob's trouble. The last paragraph says, Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested as they review the past, their hopes sink, for they, for in their whole lives they can see little good. The line that caught my attention here is their confidence in God. And I'm reminded of Job. When Job lost everything that seemed to be what we will call the benefit of righteousness, his faith was severely tested. And should he continue in righteousness? Should he continue to do what God demands in his commandments because you can't see any feasible evidence to prove that you are a Christian. I'm reminded of Christ again when he was on the cross. They asked him, you healed others, you saved others, why not you save yourselves? And the Spirit of Prophecy will say that on the cross Christ could not see anything ahead. I mean, it was like darkness covered him. So, sometimes in our Christian experience, we may have reasons or things that we want to doubt, cause doubt in our minds. And I'm, I'm also reminded of that song in SDH 523 that says that I need no other evidence. It is enough that what Jesus died is enough that Jesus died for me. We need to learn today to have this anchor that is not based on the things which we are expecting or the things which we have done because some circumstances may want to change them. I'm also reminded of a story of a woman I know somewhere, I was told somewhere in Oweri, who, according to their family tradition, she's supposed to be the next in line to serve the family gods, the ancestral gods. And she refused. She was an Adventist. She refused and sickness came upon her. Everybody around her, people were telling her, why don't you just go home? And settled this matter and she said she was going to hold on to her faith that she has she has no part with the devil and her sickness became worse and worse and worse her faith was tested her faith was tried as we may have it she lost her life she did not recover from the sickness but was she faithful yes she was so we need to build that kind of life that or faith or confidence in God today that is based on what the cross has achieved for us, not on what we expect or even our achievements. We need to hold the cross as a tangible evidence that Jesus loves us and as such remain faithful to his precepts. May the Lord give us this grace in Jesus' name. Satan accuses the people of God. I'm reading the last paragraph. 
as Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. I thank God that there's a there's a another text that would say Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come unto him by faith. That time the devil tests them to the uttermost. The devil tests the uh, God's children to the uttermost. But now God wants to save you to the uttermost. And the devil will not succeed because to the uttermost Christ has saved you. He has helped you overcome your sins. And he has cleansed you to the uttermost. So that no matter how the devil can find, no matter how far he may go, no matter how many lengths of time he may try to uh, uh, you know, go through, he will not find one thing in you for which to lay hold upon you. For he, the previous paragraph before the last one says that he declares, um, he presents the children of God before God in the most exaggerated light, representing them to be just as deserving as himself of exclusion from the favor of God. He declares that the Lord cannot in justice forgive their sins and yet destroy him and his angels. He claims them as his prey and demands that they be given into his hands to destroy. The reason for God permitting them to go through this test is so that uh, let the devil satisfy his own claims. Let him see if he can find one spot in them whereby he can claim them as his prey to destroy them. So the devil trying them to the uttermost is to see if there will be just one spot in them to find but then he cannot find the, the spot. Why? They have been washed. They have been saved. They have been purified. They have been begotten again unto a lively hope. In fact, they have been saved to the uttermost. The same uttermost is looking for. He will not find them again. The righteousness of Christ now covers them all. Now, can I continue? Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested. How will they be tested? As they review the past, their hopes sink. For in their whole lives, they can see little good. They are fully conscious of their weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith, that they will yield to his temptations and turn from their allegiance to God. I don't know, have you ever had this experience? Have you ever wept sometimes in your room at night thinking, what kind of life am I living? Have I, will I ever overcome this sin? Have you ever thought that you are so bad that you can never ever overcome? Have you been so conscious of your weakness and unworthiness that it's as if you want to give up the struggle for the Christian race. Have you have your hopes sunk before when you have reviewed your past mistakes? In fact, sometimes when you maybe when you have stood before congregations to speak and then there's one thing that you did there and oh you as if you just want to open the ground and fall inside of it and just abandon the whole thing. If you have if you are going through that then know that God is already giving you a highlight of what your what your life is like so that you can be saved to the uttermost.
It is so that you can come to him and find grace and help in time of need. It is so that you cannot be self-sufficient. It is so that you can see how weak you are and how strong he is. At that time when you were seeing all those things in your life, that is the very time power and help is from is there above to call, to give to you. We are told in steps to Christ. I don't know the exact quote now where Ellen White says that the nearer we come to Christ, then our sins become painfully distinct. We will see our sins in painful light. It's very painful when we see it. That's because Christ is near you. And that's because his spirit is near. And she said that that's a good evidence because it means that the delusions of the devil is losing its power. In fact, has lost its power upon you so that you can see sin for what sin is. So, the angels of God are there at that moment. And it's not for you to give up. It is for you to now lay hold upon the promises of God and say, this is what God has promised to the sinner. Saying in, as in uh, Psalm 130, Lord, if you mark iniquities, who shall stand? Lord, in thee I hope. My sins are all over my head. Psalm 69. These are times when, when you lay hold on God's promises, you come out a conqueror like Jacob. And these are little, little times of trouble where that God passes you through, uh, that he, he, through which he saves you to the uttermost and prepares you for that time when the devil himself will come. Not the Lord now. When the devil himself will come to do the same thing to you, not to save you, but to drive you to despair. The Lord comes to you now to do these things to you so that you can come to him and be saved. I thank God for the experience. And it is something that we need to be having every day. This was the experience that made Peter the great apostle that he became. When he saw his weakness and self-sufficiency, and self-sufficiency his hope sunk. He never thought he could ever be a disciple of Christ again. He never opened his mouth and boasted again that he was strong like he used to do before. Immediately, he denied his Lord before uh, the whole world. Uh, before that, uh, before Anna, in Anasis uh, Palace, the high priest palace, we know, as Ellen White have said, that that denial was heavier to Christ to bear than the beatings and the evil things that they were doing. And Peter understood that, so that when he went to cry, he looked at his life and he never saw himself the same way again. He thought that he was no longer qualified to be an apostle. But it was then that he was not qualified. Why? He could never trust his own self anymore. So every day, that experience will always remind him that without Christ, he is nothing. So it is a good thing when Jesus comes to you and makes you to see all the defects of your character, how you have ruined your past life, so that you can come to him and understand how a personal savior is to you, how personal he is as a savior to you. Many of us as Christians, just to add one more note, many of us as Christians have not experienced what it means to have a personal savior. We say it in words, we preach it, but we have not experienced it. What sin has Christ saved you from? Have you wept over your sins before? Has it pricked you that this is how you have ruined your life and this is what Christ is actually trying to make of you? If you have begun to see that, then thank God. But if you have not begun to see that, pray that Christ will show you how your life really is so that you can appreciate what it means to have a Savior. This is what He is. He shall save His people from their sins. But I thank God for this reading. 
because this is what Christ is doing for us now so that at that time when the devil comes to do the same thing again you would have understood that moreover in the first place I was not a good person Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief May God help us that we begin now to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh by laying hold upon the promises of God. Not looking for any good in us. Not trying to excuse our sins. Not trying to say, I did this or like this because of what this person did. No. To be conscious of our weakness and unworthiness and then yield to the saving grace of Christ. Amen. The reading repeats a word accuse 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 accusations and from what we see we are privileged to understand that these accusations will not detour or turn around the Christians but I want to bring it back to us today do accusations and false representations affect you today Jesus said in the book of John 16 therefore John 16 I'll take that again say, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended they shall put you out of the synagogues yea the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. So here Christ brings before his disciples the hope of the future and tells them, I'm telling you this thing so that you will not be offended. If you read a similar text in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. In John 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Remember the word, verse 20, And I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sins, they will keep yours also. So we need to understand that this is the lot of the Christian. Timothy 4 verse 12 will say they that live godly shall do what? Suffer persecution. But Jesus is telling us we should not be offended. Brother Bani was talking about not even expecting anything. Am I deserving of anything better? But here I'm trying to bring Jesus' words to our own mind again. Don't be offended when you are misrepresented today when your character is assassinated or your reputation I should say or your doings are misjudged or people paint pictures about you that is not right don't be offended when people mock you for what is right Jesus said blessed is he that is not offended in who? 
in me. When you wear the clothes dress with from when you eat the right food. When you go to church on Sabbath and you're the only one in your family that goes to church on Sabbath or keeps the Sabbath holy. Or your friends mock even the mere name, the simple name, Sabbath. Don't be offended. Jesus is permitting these things to make us strong for the future. And I pray as we heed these words, as we focus on Christ, that our confidence and our courage to stand for the truth be made more solid in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. The first paragraph is saying that these plagues enraged the wicked against the righteous. They thought that we had brought the judgment of God upon them and that if they could rid the earth of us, the plagues would then be stayed. A decree went forth to slay the saints, which caused them to cry day and night for deliverance. This was the time of Jacob's trouble. Now this, this reading um, runs the line. It reminds us of the one in the Bible, in the book of Kings, between Elijah and Ahab. As the reading says, they will call God's children the troublers of the world, troublers of the nations. Hear the words of Ahab. They say, though Ahab is filled with passionate hatred, yet in the presence of Elijah he seems unmanned, powerless. In his first faltering words, Art thou he that troubled Israel? So Ahab called Elijah a troubler of Israel. We know the story. For three and a half years, rain ceased. God ceased the rain. The whole nation was given to idolatry. They closed the church. They, they used the tithes. They started funding all kinds of false prophets, prophets of Baal and prophets of the groove. And they were the ones who were troubling Israel, but they turned the, accus- the king turned the accusation around on the righteous man Elijah. But if there's something we must learn from this man of God, is that he was a man of prayer. He said, at, at his word, the heavens were stayed for three and a half years. And he was a man of like passions. He was like us, but he was really connected we have and so if and and we have been told that our walk will be that of John the Baptist and and it's like John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah so we must the same thing that the same life he led the way he was connected the people of the last days will be like Elijah so they will live the kind of life they will pray the kind of prayers he he really agonized in prayer and so we saw how god used him and how god stood for him so the kind of trouble that we we we're reading today that is coming upon god's children we must have that kind of vital connection if we must make it amen let us pray our Father and our God, we thank you for the night. We thank you for your word that has been made flesh. We have touched it. 
we believed it and we have received from you warnings of the things that are to come. You don't want them to take us by surprise. And so you've given us information, first-hand information of what will happen so that we begin to prepare. And you know that the time is short for such a great work. But you've given us all the tools to prepare for this work. And you've given us a spirit to help us get ready. Lord, please give us a willing heart. Have mercy upon us for the times that we have been slow to follow thee. Give us a heart that will be open to your word and leading. Help us to follow you and to respect and keep your commandment in every particular. For this is the way we will bring glory and honor unto thy name. This is our prayer, O Lord, through the merits and the mercies of Jesus. Amen.